Say this after me. I renounce, I renounce the hidden things of darkness. The hidden things of darkness. I take authority, I take authority over, every over every evil work, evil work of, Satan of Satan in the name of Jesus. I bind you and I command you to go in the name of Jesus. You will not dominate me. You will not control me because I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, that I have victory in every area of my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Father, as we reverently and humbly approach your word tonight, we thank you, Lord, for the supernatural power of God to be an operation, manifestation, and demonstration. Thank you, Lord, that you will speak to us, that you will lead us, that you will guide us and direct us. And, Lord, I know that there's things that you begin to speak to my spirit even today. And, Father, I thank you that you make it very clear because I talked to you about it. Because there's some things that need to take place, Lord, in the realm of the Spirit, over this nation. And I thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus, that your will and your plan shall take place and come to pass. And Father, those that are watching this under the sound of my voice, I take charge of them right now in the name of Jesus. And I release them and loose them into the perfect will of God. Satan, I command you to quit influencing that mind right now. Stop it in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you for your holy written word. We thank you for the blood of the Lamb. And we thank you, Lord, for what you've done. And we thank you that you rose from the dead and now sit at the right hand of the Father God. And you've delegated to us the power and the authority to operate in this earth to bring your will and plan to pass. And we'll give you the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're with us. So we always start a service like that, not necessarily, but it's good to do that. It's good to acknowledge our authority. It's good to acknowledge who we are. It's good to renounce the hidden things of darkness and just get them out of the way right up front. Isn't that right? Amen. Thank God for it. God's word is still true today. You know, the Lord began to deal with me and I've been speaking about these things in the last two services and it, I just seemed to be led along these lines again as I was praying today and asking the Lord, you know, what to do and what direction to go in because I always want His will and plan. But there is an excessive amount of demonic activity that's going on in the church world. And when I say church world, I'm not just talking about here or this church, but I'm talking about in, in the nation of the United States and, of course, here in this nation. And I want to give a word of warning that's my ministry. Yes, sir. Ezekiel 33, 7, if you go read it, that, that's my calling. I hear the voice of God and, and then speak what God says. Now, that doesn't mean I know everything. 
I just know whatever the Lord wants me to know. But I want to give a word of warning to ministers. Ministers of the gospel. Jesus, the Lord told me this today and reminded me of this today. Because Jesus told Peter right, you know, at the uh, Last Supper, you know, before they went out into the garden, before Jesus was arrested, he told Peter, he said, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. Sifting as wheat, as wheat meant that Peter was going to go through some trying circumstances. The Spirit of God told me today that just like Jesus told Peter, who was who a, a minister, you could call it, and bring it into New Testament, you know, because he did wind up preaching the gospel, you know. He said that ministers, especially, of course, all saints, but ministers especially need to walk close to God in this day because there's coming a sifting in the ministerial ranks. From that, it's going to come down to the church pew. And because the enemy is going to do his best to try to destroy what God is doing in this day, but he's not going to be able to. So a warning from the Holy Ghost, if you'll receive it from the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's not just for us here, because other people will see it. Maybe people watching online will see it, and the recording will get out and go somewhere. But the Lord said today for me to give a warning, especially to the ministers, because there's going to come a sifting from Satan, not from God, from the devil to try to take you out of the place that God has for you. You must contend for the faith that God has called you to walk in. You've got to contend for the office that God called you to. And if you don't contend for that office, the devil's going to take it away from you. Thank you for getting excited about it. I said, Brother Randy, you act like you're preaching doom and gloom. No, Jesus told Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. He gave him a warning. Now, he also told him, I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. What did Peter do? He went into denial and not the Nile River. He went into denial. I'm trying to ease it in on you. But he went into, he, he went into denial and he said, dear Lord Jesus, didn't he say, no, I'll never deny you because Jesus said before the rooster crows, he said, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter uh, denied that, said, there's no way I'm going to deny you. Jesus, by the Spirit of God, knew more than Peter knew. And sometimes we can be so confident in ourself and in our strength and in our ability that we forget that we can't make it without God. And so he told Peter, I prayed for you that your faith fell not. But Satan has desired to sift you as sweet. Now, I want to point out something to you. Jesus did not stop the devil from sifting Peter as sweet. Did he? Because Peter was sifted, wasn't he? Because he followed Jesus. Remember, after he was arrested, he followed Jesus at a distance. And then he was there. And they had him in, in the court, what we would call the court system of our day, and they could see and hear what was going on. And then one of them that was there said, hey, 
hey, you were, you was there. I, I see, you, yeah, you was one of them, you was there. No, Peter said, no, I wasn't there. I wasn't there. Then another one said, yeah, yeah, you, you was there. I know you was there. I know you. And Peter said, no, I was there. And then another one spoke up. Finally, the third time he said, yeah, even the way you talk gives you away because you don't talk like we do. In other words, he had had an encounter with the Lord. He didn't act the way they did. And so what he done is he said, no, I don't know him. And he began to cuss, not curse, cuss. And denied that he even knew the Lord Jesus Christ. Just a cussing and a swearing and a carrying on. This was a man that was sitting not long back, hours ago, he was sitting with Jesus. And Jesus told him, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. What Peter should have done, instead of went in denial, he should have went in the prayer closet. Isn't that right? So where's God calling us to? He's calling us to the prayer closet. You'll never outrun your prayer life in the ministry. You'll never outrun your prayer life as a saint of God. If you don't have a prayer life, the most important thing that you can do as a preacher and as a just what we call Christian, everybody's a Christian, of course, or should be, not just preachers, but the most important thing that you should Uh, actually work towards is building your prayer life. You'll never be stronger in the spirit than your prayer life is with God. The only place that you get strength is spending time with God. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. But if you don't wait on the Lord to receive his strength and receive his ability, your strength is going to fail. You're going to come to the end of yourself. All of your good intentions and your willpower won't work. You're going to fail. Let's examine that and see if that's true, you know, about willpower. Is willpower alone enough to overcome the devil or do the work of God. Well, let's, let's just look at this scenario and, and maybe you can identify with it. Has anybody here ever been on a diet? <laughs> well, somebody said, well, about 15 or 20 <laughs> and I'm working on this new one now. You drink this pickle juice and put the vinegar in it, put the hog foot in the other book, you know, and do this and whatever you do. And, and then some kind of potion you rub on and whatever, you know. And you start out on that diet with good intentions. Isn't that right? Everybody does. You start out, you know, and everything is fine. You're going along and you saying, boy, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to come through it. I'm going to come on the other side of this. And so it's been since your first start in your career of dieting has been at least two hours. And so you have really achieved something. And so, and I'm not talking about diet, I'm talking about willpower. And so you sat down and then the, you've done missed a little bit, you know, of food because you've done, with this willpower, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm, 
I'm not going to eat them five pieces of chicken. I'm just going to eat one. I'm going to eat two. <laughs> but, but your stomach has been used to that other food, you know. Used to you packing it in like a tandem dump truck, backing up, you know, and putting her in there. Because, <laughs> you know, the justification is I need this to keep me going. You know what I mean? I got a lot of things to do. So you sat down in the chair, and it's been at least two, maybe three hours, you know. So you done passed up a chicken leg or two. Then all of a sudden, you know, your willpower is real strong, and your stomach's it gets mad at you, don't it? It'll start growling at you. Sounds start coming up. And then your stomach knows a lot of things that you know, you know. And it'll say something like this. You know, there's a big chocolate cake that was cooked and it's back there in the kitchen. And you say, I rebuke you devil in Jesus' name. You ain't never wanted that chocolate cake so much as when you're on a diet. Never really thought about it. But then you think about the chocolate cake and then you say, nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm on a diet. I'm justifying this. I'm going for it. I'm strong. I got willpower. I'm going to do this. And so you sit there for another long 10 minutes. It's long. And then thoughts about that cake comes again. The cake's never been cut. I mean, it's got that thick ice and all of it. And then in between each one of the layers, you know how Granny does it. She just slops that stuff on. I mean, you talking about something is good for you. I'm telling you, that's you know it is. And your stomach begins to tell you, oh, you know, it won't hurt you. It won't hurt you. And then it gets into a justification with you, you know. And it'll tell you, now look, look, there's nothing wrong. You don't have to eat the whole cake like you normally do. (laughs) Just get you a little slice, you know, just a little teensy slice, you know. And so it comes from eating the cake and you you think, well, you know, just a little slice, you know, a little slice. Then you say, no, 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 willpower comes back up, you know. But all of a sudden you start having visions and, you know, And you see this thing, and you can smell it. I mean, you just smell this thing. I mean, it's so real. You can just taste that ooey gooey. Remember they had the ooey gooey pie? Remember that? (laughs) Ooey gooey pie? That's a place we went to. Ooey gooey down in the States. I don't know if they have ooey gooey up here or not. But anyway, it was ooey gooey good, you know? But anyway, you sat there. Yeah, Miss Paula needs to get a restaurant down there. But anyway... You sit there, and then all of a sudden, your stomach gets to talking to you. Your emotions rise up. You have this vision. And in fact, you come down to the point, well, you know, another 10 minutes goes by, and you've been strong for another 10 minutes. So at least 20 minutes, you've been real strong. You've resisted it. And then it comes up again, and this time it's so strong you can smell it and taste it. I mean, just smell it. And you ain't even took a bite of it yet. And so all of a sudden, these thoughts come to you, you know, just a little bitty piece. I mean, you know, I know you're on a diet. Ain't that diet? And if you only eat just a little slice of it. 
And then you sit there and think about it. Willpower's working, you know. And then you got to get to thinking and you say, well, maybe just a teensy tiny one, just a teensy tiny one won't hurt me. Just a teensy tiny. But no, I really shouldn't do that. You know, I said I was going to die. I said I'm going to do this. I'm going to be strong. I'm going through with it. I'm going to make it through the other side, you know, and everybody be clapping for me when I come out, you know. <laughs> way down, way up, or way out, whatever, you know. And then you justify it. You say, yep, I believe I ate just one slice. Nobody will see me. Nobody will know it. And I believe it'll be all right. It won't hurt me. By the time you get up and you get into the kitchen, you don't cut a slice, you cut a quarter of the cake. <laughs> see, you're laughing because you know it's true. All of us have been there. And so you cut that thing and then you go to eating it and then you start getting the chocolate off the plate. They just left down there and you rake it up. <laughs> you know how we do. And then guilt comes on you. And because you feel guilty, you got to drown that guilt in chocolate. <laughs> And you realize that you lost the battle on willpower alone. Peter tried to overcome what Jesus told him was coming his way on willpower alone, and he failed. He did not overcome. If he would have listened to Jesus, Jesus told him, Satan has desired to sift you as sweet, and before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Peter, again, in willpower, stood up and said, no, and I believe that he meant it, just like we all do. He meant it with everything that's within him. But what he was dealing with is not with something natural. He was dealing with something spiritual. And the only way that he could deal with it was in the spirit. And so the warning from the Lord today to the church that he began to talk to me about was this. Warn the ministers, warn the church that Satan desires to sift them as wheat and they need to stay close to me. That don't mean that he is going to be able to accomplish it because he does not want us to move in to this move of God that God has for us in this church, in the nations of the earth, he does not want you to go forward. So what he wants you to do is fail. The only way you'll be a fail is when you are not prepared. If you'll prepare, you will not fail. When they got to the garden of Gethsemane, you know, after Jesus, before he was arrested and before Peter denied the Lord, then Jesus took and the disciples were there and he told them to pray that you enter not into temptation for the spirit truly indeed is willing but what the flesh is what weak in other words in your willpower alone even though you will to serve me you can't do it in your strength what you are about to encounter Jesus was telling them is a spiritual event that the human being is not capable of overcoming in their own strength. Amen. He said, pray 
that you enter not into temptation. Notice what he did not tell them. He did not tell them to pray that they would not be tempted because you are going to be tempted if you live in this life. Whether you overcome that temptation or not is whether you prepare yourself or not. And I'm not talking about fear by any means. And Jesus was not telling Peter that Satan desires to sift you as wheat to put fear in him. He told him because he knew what was going to happen and he knew that Peter was not prepared to face the onslaught that the enemy was going to bring against him. So after Peter did not prepare, he failed. And after he denied him three times, remember, he went out away from them and wept bitterly. That's what the Bible says. Because he was broken. He realized, I should have listened to Jesus. In that process, he repented. So did Peter's faith fail? No. Why? Because he repented. Jesus said, I pray for you that your faith fail not. Yes, he had an experience of weakness, but he didn't totally fail. A total failure would be if he had not repented. But he did repent. So there's hope for you and there's hope for me. So even though we may have moments of weakness, does not mean that we're a failure. Even though that you've had moments of weakness does not mean that you're a failure. Because just like Jesus prayed for Peter, he ever liveth to make intercession for the church. And he is on your side. But at the same time, he will warn us. He will warn you. He will warn me that Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. And that's exactly what's coming upon the body of Christ. There's a sifting that's coming. I saw it in the spirit earlier today. In fact, I had been praying for a while and this is the way it happened. I said, Lord, I said, I know that you're trying to get something across to me. And I said, for some reason, I said, I've been unable to pick it up. And I said, reveal this to me. And I sat down there in a chair because I had been walking. Sometimes I was kneeling, but I'd been walking a while, you know, back and forth sometimes. Walk over this side of the room. They walk back there, walk around that chair. You know where that chair is at? And that table, you know, I walk around that and that chair and then walk over here and, and that little kitchenette thing, walk back down through, walk down, turn that way and go that way, you know, come over that window. And, you know where that window is over there? And then I come back over there. Just, you know, that's just what I was doing. But when I'm doing that, I'm getting out of the flesh, out of the natural, out of my mind. And I'm getting into the spirit, you know. I'm not aware of all this. I'm not saying counting my steps or any of that kind of stuff or looking at Mickey Mouse. and What I mean by me? My wife has got one of them watches. It says, hello, tell me so-and-so. It's Minnie Mouse, you know. <laughs> it's one of them Apple watches, you know. Hello. Hey, honey, she's probably watching. Hey, son, I think he's in Phoenix. He's watching. But Satan has desired to sift the church as wheat. Now, speaking to the ministers, first of all, and again, not just here. said, Brother Randy, why would the Lord have you say this? If all the ministers are not here, why would the Lord have you to say it? Because that's my job. Remember, the Lord sent me over to England one time. He gave me a vision. He showed me there would be explosions in the streets and that people would get hurt and people would die. And he said, you go over there to England 
And he said, you tell them that they've got the door open to the devil and at the church. And if they don't close that door, there's going to be bad things that happen in this nation. So the Lord worked it out. I went over to England. When I got there to preach, uh, we had this place. And I'd say there's probably 250, maybe 300 people came from Ireland, Scotland, and, you know, and stuff like that into England. And, and I was preaching about this, about closing the door to the devil. And of course, uh, people kind of uh, looked at me funny and strange, you know, because I did murder the Queen's English, they told me. <laughs> In fact, I think she left and came to Canada while I was there. I mean, <laughs> she said, I'm, I'm getting out of here. That boy's supposed to be speaking English. I didn't speak the proper English, you know. So, but I preached that. And I told them about the vision. I told them what I had saw. But what happened is I got discouraged. I'm talking about saying what the Lord told you to say. I got discouraged and I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, you told me to come and tell the nation. I said that, that these things are going to happen. You sent me here. And I said, but everybody's not here. So they're not going to hear me. He said, son, that's not your fault. He said, I sent you as a witness. And he said, because you've given the word, he said, they're without excuse. So people have a responsibility to hear yes. as much as I have a responsibility to deliver. Yes. And that works the same way in the pastoral. And in this church, your pastors have a, a job to deliver, but it's your responsibility to hear and show up. Yes. Thank you for getting excited. But... We had gotten back. We was over there about 10 days and there went from there on over to France. But we, we come back, my wife and I did, and, and within the week, the explosions happened in the same places that I had put my feet at. It, it happened, and guess what happened then? I got a phone call from over there from a preacher. She said, Brother Randy! I said, I told you it was going to happen. <laughs> what it was, God was warning. It didn't have to happen. Now, I believe that there were some that prayed. I believe there were some that took it to heart, you know. But, and I believe it could have been much worse. But at the same time, even though the Lord has had me saying this, and it applies, I believe it's applicable to the body of Christ, it's not my fault that the entire body of Christ is not here. But I'm a witness <laughs> right? I've said what I believe the Lord has told me to say in regards to that. Satan has desired to sift the church as wheat. He's going to, he's going to work in the ministerial area and then he's going to work in, in the, every Christian's life. Satan, it's not going to be God doing it. It's going to be the enemy. Now, do you have to fear? No. But what you need to do is do what Jesus taught his disciples when they went in the garden against the enemy. He said, pray that you enter not into temptation. In other words, you overcome what the devil's going to try to do. Because Jesus told them that, that this is going to happen. You're going to be tempted. You're going to be tested. Pray that you enter not into temptation. That's what he told them. So he went a little further and began to pray himself and came back and found them asleep. Why were they sleeping? Well, we'll get into that in a minute. But anyway, he came back and said, what are you doing? Pray. So he went back and he began to pray and he began to seek God and intercede, you know, 
prayed till his sweat was as drops of blood. And somebody said, where did Jesus die at? Somebody said he died on the cross. I believe he died in the garden of Gethsemane. Because if he hadn't died there, he'd have never got on the cross. And if you don't prepare, you'll never walk out the destiny that God has for you. You know what I'm talking about. He didn't physically die in the garden. But in his heart, he embraced it and accepted it. He said, Father, if, if you're willing, let this cup pass from me. So he was talking to God, is there any other way? He didn't naturally, normally want to die. No human, we was not born to die. None of us were. Even him. So in the garden, he wrestled with that to the point that he accepted death in the garden. Then he got up and he said, come on. My time has come. But they had been sleeping. I believe the reason they were sleeping is because the oppression was so great from the spiritual realm, the demonic spirits was so great that the physical body was under so much pressure that it was easier to sleep than it was to pray. So the next time you fall asleep in church, you know what's going on. <laughs> Don't listen to me. Listen to your pastors. I'm just telling you. <laughs> but I believe that the oppression of darkness. Because remember, what Jesus is about to do is step into a ministerial place called by God that no human being had ever went into, neither would any human being ever go into afterwards. But if he had not prepared himself in the garden he would have never went to the cross. Amen. He would have recalled from it. In fact, he did recall in the garden, but he prayed through it. Amen. And so he was prepared. He said, arise and let us go hence. Amen. Then they come to arrest him and they said, where's Jesus? And he said, I am he. And what happened? They went backwards and fell to the ground. The power of God knocked them down that come to arrest him. Go read it. It's in your Bible. So they did not take his life. He gave his life. They didn't force him to the cross. He went willingly to the cross because he had prayed in the garden. And the reason that many people cannot fulfill their destiny is because they have not had a garden experience. In the garden, you can never outrun your prayer life more than anything else in life. Not just ministers, but all Christians. You need to spend time in prayer. Because this is not a natural battle that we are in. This is a spiritual opposition that we face. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. It's all introduction, is that all right? Following the Holy Ghost. Amen. Satan has desired to sift us all as wheat. But we're overcoming in Jesus' name. We're going to prepare. In other words, we don't get into fear at all. We get in faith. But at the same time, brother, Dad Hagen used to say it this way. There's two sides to receiving from God. Do you remember that? There's a Godward side. And there's a manward side. You remember that? He said, God will never fail in doing his part 
if you don't fail in doing your part. But the majority of the church world today has been taught, not this church, but the majority of the church world today is taught that they have no part to play. And that is not true. If you do not prepare yourself, you're not going to be equipped and the devil is going to rule and reign over you. He's going to take what belongs to you. Again, you don't have to fear him. And I'm not preaching fear. It may be sober, but sometimes I get a sober message. Because there's big things that God wants to do for you. He wants to do for us as ministers. But we must participate with him by doing our part. What's our part? We spend time in prayer seeking the Lord. And now let me balance that out about prayer because I don't want to put people under condemnation. There is no condemnation. Condemnation's of the devil, right? All of us don't have the same position in life. You understand that? So my prayer life may be different than your prayer life. Right? And so God is going to help you along in whatever position in life you're in. You know what I mean? That don't mean you've got to pray seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I'm not saying that. But whatever position you're in in life, you need to find time, no, make time to pray. And I'm not saying that you've got to pray all day long or nothing. And I know if you've got little children to take care of and things, you know, sometimes you have to pray and go, you know. You know what I mean? Kind of deal. But it would be good if you could take some time, some time, you know, and spend it with the Lord. Now, do we need corporate prayer? Absolutely. And this church has corporate prayer. And that's good. But you also need an individual prayer life. You need to be acquainted with the Lord because that's where your strength is. And then, this is the question that some are asking right here tonight. How do I pray? I mean, you know, how do I? Now, that's, that sounds uh, kind of, you know, somebody said, well, that's too elementary. I would not ask, how do I pray? But, but people do. They, they have the question, how do I pray? What do I say? You know, what do I do? This is what you do. You talk to the Lord like he's your best friend. Instead of calling so-and-so on the phone and telling them everything, call the Lord. Call the Lord and begin to talk to him. I mean, talk to him like a friend. You know, he is our Savior. He is our Lord. He'll hear you. Have a conversation with God. Dad Hagen, let me tell you a story about Dad Hagen. He was with uh, at this minister's conference and and they was uh, all staying, a lot of the ministers were staying in, in different rooms and in places in this big meeting hall and they had rooms that you slept in and you had the dining hall there and everything like that. He said, one day, <clears throat> this preacher said uh, to him, he said, uh, I come by your room there a while ago. And he said, uh, and this is later on. He said, I come by your room there a while ago. And he said, uh, he said, you was talking to somebody. 
And he said, I didn't remember seeing anybody go in your room or anything like that. And I was wondering who you, he said, you were just carrying on a conversation? And you were saying, you know, this and then that. And then you'd say, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And then he, he would say something else. He said, you know, I want to tell him myself. He told Brother Hagin. He said, I actually was concerned. And so I opened the door and picked it, peeked in. You know what I mean? It was already partial of them and totally closed and just peeked in. And he said, you were sitting in the middle of the floor talking to somebody. He said, oh, that's the way I pray. See, you can pray the same way. Now, there are times too that we need to spend time praying in other tongues. You understand? Praying in the Spirit. But you can pray in the Spirit with your known tongue as well as unknown tongues. I do it periodically. You know what I mean? You can pray in the Spirit in your known tongue, but in also in unknown tongues. But, and the Bible says, though, when you pray in an unknown tongue, you're building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And then and it also says that you're edifying yourself, so I encourage you to do that. So we're talking about Satan. It's how we started this. I didn't start it. The Spirit of God started it because I didn't know exactly I was going to go this way. But uh, the Spirit of God started this tonight is that the fact that Satan has desired to sift us as wheat. He, he wants to sift the ministers. In fact, many are being sifted now. But he wants to sift uh, the church as a whole. I mean, when I'm talking about the church, not just this church, you understand. But the body of Christ, he wants to sift. And there's a sifting going on that's going on now. And it's coming from the devil. And the warning from the Lord is, is that we need to prepare for it and we're going to be strong and we're going to overcome it every single time. Isn't that right? So I'd encourage you to spend time praying. Why? It's not my idea, so to speak. It's the idea of the Lord. The Lord said, pray that you enter not into temptation. For the spirit truly indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. If you'll allow me to use this crude illustration, you won't eat the chocolate cake if you pray. <laughs> in other words, the enemy is not going to get you with some kind of temptation and get you in a situation because you're going to be in the spirit because I'm not talking about facing the natural things necessarily or a diet. I just use that as a crude illustration. But if you're praying, you're going to have strength from God and you're going to overcome everything that the enemy tries to bring along your way. You're going to be able to help yourself. You're going to be able to help your friends. You're going to be able to help your children. You're going to be able to help your family. You're going to do it. Ephesians chapter 6. Scriptures that we've been reading, but we'll just read them again. Verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Isn't that what it says? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. So he said, that if we take on God's armor, and we do that in prayer and in faith, and uh, that we will overcome and we will withstand every single time. Isn't that right? And the devil cannot stop us. Now, 
I didn't want to have to tell you this, but questions have been asked, but it fits right in. It fits right in. I didn't want to tell my pastor friends either the outcome, the later event about Robert. I didn't want to tell it because it's not good. In the end, remember I was talking about Robert. If he was here last night, if you saw it, I talked about his glorious redemption. Didn't I share that last night? Well, it came to a sad ending. Because he didn't uh, do what he was supposed to do. Turn to Matthew chapter 12. It fits right in with what we're saying, uh, what I'm talking about. You know, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. And Jesus said to Peter, he said, you know, I prayed for you that your faith fail not, Remember? But Jesus prays for us, but we also need to pray for ourselves. We don't want to have a, and I'm not belittling uh, Brother Peter. (laughs) I think it was him they were talking about. But uh, I'm not belittling him whatsoever. But the, the truth about the matter is, there was a time in my ministry that I quit casting devils out of people. In fact, I periodically encounter things now that I know is demonic and I bypass it purposely. Unless the Lord puts it in my heart to deal with it. Because of some of the worst demon possession cases I've ever dealt with are people that had once been demon possessed, got set free, turned around and went back out into the world and the devil came back and took him over many times worse. So I got disappointed and I got discouraged. And I'm not saying what I did was right, but out of human compassion. If a person is not going to prepare themselves to stand against the enemy, because just because we make him leave don't mean that he does not try to come back. But if a person is not going to prepare themselves once you cast the devil out of them, because if they're willing, you can cast the devil out of them. You can't force yourself, and God doesn't force himself on them. But if they're not going to prepare himself, you'll do that person an injustice. Because it's just going to stir up the demons in a greater degree. And, and again, that's where we're led by the Spirit of God. You know what I mean? To know what to do and what not to do. But this is what Jesus said. Now we read this. But we're, I'm going to read it again because remember, Satan has desired to sift us as wheat. And, uh, and that goes for the whole church world. It goes for me, number one, the whole church world. But at the end, we're not preaching fear. We're preaching faith because we're going to do the right thing. We're going to set aside time to pray individually. We're going to pray, of course, collectively. We're going to pray corporately too. But we're going to have our own personal relationship with the Lord. Because if you walk with the Lord, I'll guarantee you, the devil don't want nothing to do with you. If you walk close to him, he ain't going to mess with you. So, and again, everybody's prayer life is different. I'm not hanging an anchor or a yoke around your neck and telling you that you've got to pray so many hours or anything. You pray till you sense that you've reached a point 
that God is satisfied and you're satisfied. You know what I'm talking about? And there's different times that you may have more time to pray than you will at another time. But I know this about the ministerials situation. Paul, I mean the apostles said in the book of Acts, they said that uh, when it come time, you know, because they were people upset because uh, the dispersion of goods throughout the church was not being carried out properly and they come to the apostles you know, that was preaching and casting out devils and healing the sick and all that stuff, of which they were part of it because they were praying involved in it. And they said, well, what we're going to do is pick out seven men, you know what I mean, among you of good report, and then we're going to put them over this and let them do this for what purpose? So that we can play. <laughs> it's not, well, what, what? What'd you say? <laughs> she said, pray. Yes. Hey, where'd you get that at? In the Bible? <laughs> He said that we will give ourselves continually to the Word of God and prayer. Isn't that what they said? So they, t- they took people and they, they set them over situations to give themselves continually to the Word of God and prayer. And that, you know that that doesn't mean they pray 24 hours a day. But it meant that they considered their job to be, first and foremost, is to give themselves to the Word of God and to prayer. You know, I say this, can I say it politely, kindly? Most ministers don't consider that. They don't consider it their job to pray and read the Word. Don't make me jump up on the chair now. (laughs) You know, I'm talking about in the body of Christ as a whole. Because now, you know, church has become so, I don't know, so organized. Sometimes we can just organize God out of it, you know. And I'm not talking about this church, you know, or, or anything. Or putting your pastors, they're people of God. They pray, they seek God. They go to meetings to get strengthened. Fellowship. So we're not putting anybody down. But if you look out through the body of Christ, you know, through and all the stuff that's going on, that most ministers of the gospel, and I don't say it to put them down, I'm one, don't consider their job to, to be giving themselves to the Word of God in prayer. Go look at their resume. And you'll see all kinds of, I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that, give me another page, I do this and do this, do this, do this, and you'll be hard-pressed to find this statement on there, I give myself to the Word of God in prayer. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and of course, there are, we do live in the natural side of life. There are things that we have to do, things we have to take care of it. But when we don't do that, then we're not prepared like we should be, you know, but we will. I don't know how y'all got me over here. I was nice. I guess y'all ready to send me back across Lake Erie now. Isn't that right? <laughs> I don't know if I can swim in this, but I, sw- I, I, I flew right across the middle of that thing. 17,000 feet. I could see it down there. I was right in the middle. In fact, I was over in Canada part of the time flying to the United States. I was going to duck under the radar. <laughs> but you can't today. They got them radars that go down there. But I was over the middle of that lake, and I don't want you to make me swim across there. It's probably pretty cool. The water's probably pretty cool, you know. But everything I say is in love and what I say is by the Spirit of God and there's no condemnation. If you're receiving condemnation, it's because the devil is giving it to you, not me. 
And uh, we, we receive what the Lord has said. And number one, he's talking to me. You understand that I, I, I give myself to this. But remember, uh, Jesus told Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as sweet. And that's how the Lord has orchestrated the service tonight. And he said that this, is, this uh, attack is coming on the Satan's trying to sift the entire body of Christ, sift ministers especially, but also the entire body of Christ. But he's not going to overcome us. Matthew 12, verse 43. This is what Jesus said. And remember I said the worst demon-possessing cases I've ever dealt, ever dealt with are people that had once been walking with God got set free and everything and then reverted and went back to the world and didn't give themselves to God and it opened themselves up for worse things to happen. And I'll tell you about the experience with Robert here as we go along. And, and, uh, and of course, I tell it with sadness, you know, not gladness because I didn't want to tell anybody the whole story, you know. But uh, in verse 43 of Matthew 12, says, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man. Notice, this is Jesus speaking. He said, the unclean spirit. So Jesus is categorizing all evil spirits as unclean. What that means is, now there's different kinds of spirits. But what they do, they are in unholy, they're impure, and they make that individual that way, whatever kind of spirit it is. You understand? Now, there's categories of spirits under this unclean spirit. But Jesus just putting them all in one category saying when the unclean spirit, you notice that? Unclean spirit is gone out of a man. Unclean spirit, again, is a category where there's lots of different spirits in there. Unclean means it makes them impure and unholy. Any evil spirit does in a human being, regardless of what it is. And a lot of people just equate this with just like sexual sin or something, but it's a lot more than that, even though that's included. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places. Remember, he's walking. He's walking. Because remember what you taught me? You taught me there were disembodied spirits. Isn't that right? He taught me that. He taught me that. They're disembodied spirits. Where'd they come from? Remember we talked about that and I discovered I didn't know. I don't know. Somebody says they come from here. Somebody said from coming there. Only pastor really knows. <laughs> so I don't know. You know, it really don't, in, in a sense, you know, wherever, you know, I'm not going to argue over it. Wherever, I don't know where they come from. All I know is get out of him. <laughs> wherever you come from, get out of him. But they are personalities, persons, not like human beings now. I'm not talking about a, a human being person that do not have physical bodies and they are looking for some physical body to express themselves through in this physical world. And the spirits have names. You know what I mean? Like we, we read about deaf and dumb spirits. When a, when a person is a, a, a deaf, when a spirit's causing, not everybody that's deaf has a spirit. You understand that. You know that. Not every sickness and disease is because of a spirit. You know, you know that too. Some could be mental stuff. Some could be because there's a chemical imbalance in people and, and they need some kind of natural something to help them out. Of course, God can heal all that too. 
But uh, at the same time, the spirits are walking about according to what Jesus said, not me, right? And this is what he said. He walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. In other words, he gets becomes impatient because he's looking for a way to express himself in this physical world and because he don't have a human being, because he talked about the spirit has gone out of a man. In other words, it was in a human being. And remember, the ladies all said last night, look, demons don't get women because it said a man. <laughs> and I know that man's got one. <laughs> I'm joking. He's talking about the human race right here. He seeks rest and he findeth none. Then he says, the Spirit says, so that means he can communicate. He can talk. He can verbalize. We just don't see them. We don't hear them unless God opens our eyes to show. I have seen into the realm of the Spirit and I've seen these. In our Supreme Court, what would you call that here? Uh, Y'all have a high court? Y'all have a Supreme Court here? Okay. Supreme Court. The Lord took me in the spirit to the Supreme Court of the United States. We have what we call nine justices or nine judges that rule, and it's the highest court in the land. When you appeal a court case, whatever it may be, and, and then if the, the court doesn't have to hear your case, but if they decide, the Supreme Court decides to hear that case, then it will be heard before uh, people, what they call arguing, and they don't actually argue, you know, but they get up there and they present their case to these nine judges there in the Supreme Court of the United States. In other words, they give the judges their opinion based on the law of the United States of America. And so what the judges do sitting on that bench is, is they are supposed to be a, a brilliant people about the law of our land. Forgive me for having to say this, but that is very questionable. <laughs> Put me up there, Hunja. <laughs> I don't know none of the law books, but I got common sense. I can just tell you this. Murder is murder. Abortion is murder. You know what I mean? And they somehow... Some of them don't see it that way. But the Lord took me to the Supreme Court in the spirit. And when I looked up, I was standing in front of the bench where the justices would sit up, you know, the nine justices, the nine judges, when they're, you know, hearing the case. And, and I, I wondered, what am I doing here? Because the room was empty, you know, and I'd never been in that courtroom. I'd been in a, a lot, you know, but, but not that one. <laughs> I'd never graced that court with my presence before, you know. <laughs> but while I was standing there, all of a sudden, motion caught my eye, peripheral vision out of my side view. And because I was looking down through the courtroom, the bench is to my left right here, and I'm kind of facing this way, and the bench is sitting here. And I looked up, and when I turned to look, I fully expected to see one of the judges sitting there, or nine of the judges sitting up on that bench, and I was startled. But guess who I saw? Guess who I saw? I saw a demon. I mean, a, a large-looking demon sitting up there behind that bench. And the Spirit of God, I was in prayer when this happened, and I was praying with some people, just a handful of people. 
and I was Mike. So all this is recorded. They didn't see what I saw, but they heard what I said and they saw what I'd done because they told me afterwards they, they saw me and I was making gestures and all. And I was talking to this thing in the spirit. But I seen this demon in the spirit and then I pointed at it and I, and I turned, you know, turned like this because the bench would be here because I would have been facing that way. And I turned to him and I said, I see you. I see you. In other words, God had exposed and revealed this hidden devil to me sitting in the Supreme Court. Now, I believe that happened because not only did I pray, but other people were praying. I said, I see you. I see you. I see how these ungodly laws are being passed in our land. And that's how ungodly laws get passed in this land. Yes, sir. And I'm not talking about human beings now. I'm talking about influences from the spiritual realm that cannot be dealt with in the natural. You cannot overcome these things by willpower because you want to. It's in the spirit that you deal with them. And some of these devils, and I'm not trying to scare nobody, you better not mess with unless you're anointed of God to do it. Because, you know, we say the devil's defeated and he is. But there, there is a measure of power they have because it's been delegated to them because Adam gave it to them. And you need to be anointed to deal with it. You don't have to be afraid of them. But some people tread into places that they shouldn't be. They're not anointed to stand there. And then things turn out bad for them. But anyway, I turned and I said, I see you. I see you. I see how these ungodly laws get passed in the United States of America. I said, now, I said, I command you to come down from there right now in the name of Jesus. Immediately, immediately, that thing jumped up out of the chair. I assume it was sitting in the chair. I don't know. But it jumped up on the top of that bench, a big old, and it wasn't a baboon, but I mean, it was something like that, ugly thing, you know. And it jumped up on this bench and there was no fear in me whatsoever. In fact, I'll get me one of them t-shirts. Ain't scared. My God ain't scared. I ain't scared. Said you murdered the Queen's English. I know, but you understand it that way. I wasn't scared. I wasn't afraid. And you don't have to be afraid either. And that thing jumped up on top of that uh, bench where the judge is sitting. And then it jumped down in the floor, probably as close from here to pastor from me. And it was shivering and shaking. I said, not only you got to get down, I said, I command you to leave the Supreme Court. So that thing didn't run, but it started hurriedly moving, almost a jog, going down the Supreme Court. And I don't know why I would do this. Your pastors are much more intelligent than I. I would never think this. But I was thinking in this vision, is that thing going to have to open the door to get out of here? <laughs> yeah, I laughed about it too later. Because I didn't know. I'd never had an experience just like that. But when that thing got to that doors and big old wooden doors, ornate doors, you know, it had several of them, but it was the one where it was going. When it got to that door, it did not open that door. It just went through it. It went through the wall. So it made me know that even though we lock our doors, they, <laughs> they don't need no key. <laughs> they just can come and go unless we stop them in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I saw that thing go. And the Lord said, 
to me. Revelation came. That was a vision. And then a word of wisdom came right at the end of that. And the Lord said, this lady, this particular lady that was on Supreme Court, she will step down from the Supreme Court for it's in my purpose and in my plan. And then within a few months, this particular Supreme Court justice will die. Ladies and gentlemen, the very next day, the next day, are you hear me? The next day, that lady stepped down from the Supreme Court. I, I thought that she would be good there, I, you know, but the Lord knows more than I do. But she stepped down, and it went long after that before the man he told me about died. And both of them were Supreme Court justices on the Supreme Court. We have authority. Now, God didn't kill the man. You understand that? You understand? I'm not saying that he couldn't whack somebody. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> well, you, you get over in Acts chapter 12, it says the angel of the Lord smote King Hedder. When you've been smoted by the Lord, the angel of the Lord, you are smoted. I'm just telling you that right now. People said they don't believe in the judgment of God. You better go read your doggone Bible. Better read the Bible. You mess with God's children too much, you don't believe in judgment, ask Paul. His name was Saul. The Lord knocked him down to the ground. And then Brother Taylor and the praise and worship team run out of the bushes and sang, another one bit the dust. <laughs> Y'all remember that song? They run out of the bushes. Did God judge him? Yes, he did. He gave him an opportunity. And he took advantage of it. He said, who art thou, Lord? <laughs> oh, it's different now. He said, I'm Jesus. Whom you persecuting? So I saw this thing and it happened just like the Lord said. And these people stepped down. We have authority, but the way we operate in these things is through the Spirit of God giving us the anointing to deal with them. The problem with most of the church world, they're dealing with issues in the realm of the Spirit they have absolutely no anointing to deal with because they hadn't spent enough time praying. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint and they'll command the devil and make him do what they want him to do. That's where it comes from. It doesn't come from willpower. It doesn't become because we want something to happen. Amen? Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Are you excited yet? Y'all get me stirred up here. We might cast out some devils. I'll just tell you the truth. <laughs> Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for helping me. I was asking the Lord today to help me, Lord, because I kept sensing that he wanted to say something. And you have to get yourself in a position to hear him, you know. Unclean spirit, remember 43. I'm trying to get through here and you keep dragging me on, you know. What time is it anyway? Yeah, forget, I can't listen to y'all. I pay attention to y'all. Y'all keep us here all night. But uh, when unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and findeth none. So the thing walks, the spirit does, these spirits do, they walk and they can communicate and they speak because he said in verse 44, then he saith, he says, he speaks words. Jesus didn't lie. I said, Jesus didn't lie. 
He said, then he saith, the Spirit says, he talks in the realm of the Spirit, even though you don't hear it. He said, I'll return to my house and whence I came out. In other words, I got in that person back yonder before, and I'm going back over there. I think I can get back in there again. That's basically what he's saying. He said, when he has come, he looks around and he finds this place where he used to be, what? Empty. Oh, oh, oh. We should never be an empty vessel. We should be full of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that right? There should be no room for any devil or demon or anywhere, right? They find it what? Empty, swept, and garnished. Well, the swept and garnished is good, but being empty is not good. And he finds out, well, nobody's done anything to stop me from going back. I'm going back. Verse 45, then goeth he and take with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. More wicked. Notice that? More wicked. Yeah. That's right. It's not just in the same category of wickedness, but more wicked than this demon was himself. And this is Jesus talking now, not me. And we're talking about that Jesus said that Satan has desired to sift us as sweet. And that doesn't mean that he's going to possess us or try to possess us. He's just going to try to hinder us, you know. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And so there's seven plus the one that was there. So that makes eight. More wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And what happened? The last state of that man is worse than the first. In other words, he was in bad shape before the devil come out of him. But now he's in worse shape than he had ever been in his life. He said, even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. In other words, wickedness is around us. Evil spirits are around us. Now, you wanted to know what happened to Robert. And I've been avoiding the subject. But I decided under much stress, duress, and protest that I shall tell because it fits right in here. Robert was totally set free, filled with the Holy Ghost. In fact, he and I and uh, another fella, in fact, a lot of times just he and I both would, would sing together. He had a wonderful voice. I would sing lead. We had, we had a quartet in prison and uh, he would sing. In fact, our, our voices undoubtedly, this, this is what... Uh, that Warden Capps, y'all remember Warden Capps? Remember he was kind of a short fellow with black hair and all, kind of everything, you know, kind of stocky built and all. He heard us singing in the chapel one day, four of us, a cappella, I mean no music, you know, or anything. And boy, we had that harmony going. See, we had time on our side. <laughs> Everybody was holding their part. I was singing lead. You know, when you're singing in, the, in quartets, there's certain things you can't do when you're singing, you know, like uh, praise and worship because you've got to hold a note and lead so that this voice can lock on, then this voice can lock on, and this voice can lock on. And so, oh, Brother Robert, he could sing that soprano. Oh, boy, he could get it. He could get old alto too. Y'all know who alto is? <laughs> he could get a hold of him and hang on. 
It didn't seem like no matter where I started, if I started a little high, sometimes I could start a little high because we had to get us going. He could hang right in there with me. So it was just wonderful what God was doing. And Warden Capps come in. And he could not believe, he just sat down. We thought, what in the world is a warden doing in here? He just sat here and he just closed his eyes because we're singing them old gospel hymns. I'm sure he'd heard him on, on his mama's knee yeah. coming up. And I was down in Alabama, you know. Probably granny walked him in the rocking chair singing some of them songs to him. He is living like the devil. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he come in and he sat down. And we, we didn't know what to do, you know, but we just, we just kept on singing. And then finally we come to a stop. He said, boys, he said, do y'all know this one? And uh, he mentioned the song. I said, yeah. He said, I want you to sing the good old gospel ship. Can you do that? I said, yeah. Who knows that? I'm going to take a trip on the good old gospel ship. I'm going far beyond the sky. I'm going to shout and sing until the heavens ring while I'm bidding this earth. He was his mama's favorite song. So he wanted to hear it. So we locked in on it. And then afterwards, chaplain come to us. He left finally. He said, hey, the warden said that he'll take y'all out of the prison and he's going to take y'all down here and he wants y'all to sing at this club. He said, he's got some friends down there. I said, they're going to be drinking and everything. He said, yeah, you know, he drinks. He said, he, he probably let you boys drink if y'all want to. Chaplain's trying me, see. That was a devil, you know. <laughs> he said, he probably let y'all too. You, you know, take you down there, you know. And I said, i tell you what my opinion is. I said, I, I thank, thank him for what he said, but I said, I'm not going to do it. I said, if it requires that I go there, I said, I'd rather stay here, and I'm not going. And we didn't, you know. So, Robert, so we're talking about. Remember, I'm trying to get through, and you keep asking me all these questions, and, <laughs> and I have to answer them. And so, Robert was just wonderful at that. He was, he was good at music. He played the guitar well and everything like that, and he was in church with us, and, and, uh, and I was there with him. And then I got out, was released from prison, and it wasn't real long after that that Robert got out. Well, I was in ministering in <clears throat> Birmingham, Alabama area, actually Leeds. Y'all know where Leeds, Alabama is? If you get on Interstate 20 and head east out of Birmingham, you'll come to Leeds, L-E-E-D-S. Y'all remember Mr. Murray? He used to have a record service, Murray's Record Service. And Murray's Record Service, he had one of these giant, a lot of these giant records where big trucks would wreck. And they would always call Mr. Murray. Y'all remember him? And uh, he would go out and, and, and get these trucks and they had these airbags and I mean all kinds of stuff they'd do. Anyway, Mr. Murray went to this church where I, I spoke at. And so we stuck up an acquaintance and he became a supporter and all. And then Robert, he lived, after he got out, he lived, his mama lived there in the Birmingham area, which is not far from Leeds. So he come out. And so he started getting involved with me there in churches. We'd do meetings, you know, revivals. Then I would take Robert, and we got special permission to go back in the same prisons now, same prisons that we had uh, got out of and do what they call week-long revivals. You know what I mean? 
we could go in there, we could go to the chow hall with them. And a lot of them knew us, you know. And if, if it wasn't for Chaplain Browder and uh, Warden Caps, we couldn't have got back in there. But, you know, they knew us and, and they knew our character and they knew we wouldn't be messing up nothing. You know, there's no way that I would do anything to go back in there. I'll guarantee you that. <laughs> and, and it was just amazing what God would do. So many would get saved. They would pack that, that little old chapel. Remember I told you about believing God for the money? It would seat about 200 people. And they had it packed out. There's no fire department to run us out. You know what I mean? And they'd be standing up around a wall, sitting in the floor and everything. And boys would be squalling and carrying on. And we'd get in there and we'd sing them songs, you know, with that twang to it. You know what I mean? With the Holy Ghost in it. And they'd get to thinking about mama and granny. And then we'd get to them a little bit and they'd get to thinking about Jesus. Oh, and it was just amazing how they come to the Lord. So Robert would help me with that. We had a band then and it would go in there, you know, with some other fellas. And we would go in there to them prisons and do that. But, and, I, and after about <clears throat> two years or so, two and a half years, it seemed like that Robert became distant. You know what I'm talking about? That closeness that he and I had. We were buddies. I mean, I'd seen him come free from them demons. You heard the story of him casting the devils out of him. So we had a, you know, a good relationship. But it seemed like <clears throat> that we became distant. And I was wondering what was wrong. So I went there for a meeting. He knew that if he didn't come, that I'd hunt him down, you know. So he came to the meeting where we were at. And I sat down on the altar and I had him sit down on the platform, kind of like this, and there was a little altar bench there. And I sat down and I looked at him in the eyes. I said, Robert, I said, that demon's come back. He wouldn't look at me. He'd look down. No, 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 no. I said, Robert, I said, that demon's come back. I said, with the unclean spirits going out of a man, he walks through dry places, he can rest. And I said, Jesus said, you know, they're empty, swept, and garnished. I said, Robert, you haven't been praying like you should. You hadn't been walking with God like you should. Ah, he was in denial, you know, in denial. I said, Robert, I said, that demon's come back. I could just, how do you know? You know, I just knew it. It's come back. Robert, you better stand against this thing. I said, I haven't taken you over yet, but if you keep going, you, if you don't stop, this is warning, you know. Yes. Satan desired to sift you as wheat. Yes. I said, you better, better stand against this. I mean, and I was giving it to him. And so, the next thing I know, when I come back, the, the next time that I came to preach, well, I knew these pastors well. I called them Mom and Daddy Fox. They were the foxiest people I knew. <laughs> they were the, their last name was Fox, and they were an older couple. And uh, he had been, a, had been Presbyterian, she had been Church of Christ, and they fooled around and fell in the Holy Ghost pool. And... and, and uh, Became acquainted with, with Dad Hagen's ministry, and yes, you know that's the end of the story there. So, and so they came out of that, and so the next thing I know, when I come, Robert was up leading praise and worship in this church, kind of a small church, and with with his guitar. And I call Pastor Fox over, and I said, Pastor Fox, I said I don't think that's good. He said, What do you mean? I said I just don't think that's good. I didn't want to tell him everything. He knew about his back. I said, I talked to him the last time I was here. And I said, he's not right. Something's not right. I said, I just can't put my finger on it. 
said, is he possessed? I said, I'm not saying that. I said, but he's on the verge. And I said, I warned him. The Holy Ghost warned him, you know, that, uh, that you better pray. You better seek God. You better get back like you should be. And I said, I think you ought to take him down. Ah, oh, he's just a blessing to our church because he had a wonderful personality. You know what I mean? A lot of people think that demons make people froth at the mouth and growl like an animal. Some of the people, that you'd never even realize it unless you was in the spirit. But anyway, this, I, I kept talking to him about it. And so we called him Daddy Fox as a term of endearment, you know. He was older because he's gone on to be with the Lord now. The pastor, Pastor Fox. And uh, his name was Jesse, you know. Not Jesse James, Jesse Fox. <laughs> and I would talk to him. And then I called him on the phone. And I would talk to him. And then he would call me. He'd get thinking about it. He'd call me. He said, you know, I heard what you said, you know. And I, 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 but he just seems to be so good. He's so wonderful. He's helping out around here. You know, he's befriending people. And then I said, well, I said, Daddy Fox, I said, you know, I love you. And I said, uh, I said, but, I said, I believe you need to take him out of that position he's in. I said, he's going to cause trouble in your church. To make a long story short, it went long after that now that I got a phone call that I did not want to get. He had been arrested. Robert had been arrested for doing the same thing that he had went to prison earlier for with children, with children. And I warned Daddy Fox because I saw this thing coming and he wound up from this, the court had no mercy and he got two life without parole prison sentences. And so now, you know the rest of the story. But he was gloriously walking with the Lord for years. Quite a few years. But I don't want to put anybody down, okay? Brother Jesse was a good man. But he had weakness about him. He wasn't tough enough. Excuse me. You can't love the devil. I'm just telling you the truth about it. And he had that cursing personality. He was just a loving kind of... And there, you need to be loving, but sometimes you need to slap the devil upside the head. I mean, when you see him like that, you know what I mean? So don't get on your pastors. <laughs> they love you. <laughs> so you got to have some tough love. Because when I was around him, I didn't put up with that mess. I made him seek God. I made, yeah, I made him. And that's what they're trying to do around here with you. <laughs> but he walked back out and wasted his life and he reached the point of no return. He will die in the Alabama state prison system. He will die there because Jesus has already told us, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. And so those devils, what they want to do is they want to come back from where they left from. And so Robert wound up, the first thing he done is he backslid. What is backsliding? 
He quit studying the Bible and he quit praying. He quit, he started, he quit hanging around the people he should be on an ongoing basis, started hanging around the wrong people again. And then that thing jumped back on him and then it controlled him and then he wound up going to prison and I finally lost contact with him. In fact, he got infuriated with me, but it wasn't him, it was the devil in him, I knew it. Infuriated, I mean angry. If he could have killed me, he would, but he can't. Ladies and gentlemen, victory is ours. The Lord has spoke to us. He told us what to do and we're going to do it. And there's no devil and there's no demon in the name of Jesus that can overcome you or I. There's always, remember, two things, two sides to receive from God. There's a Godward side and a manward side. God will never fail in doing his part if you will not fail in doing your part. Have your own established prayer life and Bible study. You need to do that. You mean corporately, yes, attend church, yes, but you need to have an experience with God for yourself. You're more than a match for the devil in Christ, but out of Christ, you're no match whatsoever. Peter found out. Peter tried to stand against the devil in his own strength and he fell. Thank God he repented. We can all repent, repent and thank God that we can. So we need to do these things. We need to take to heart some things that the Spirit of God has said to us tonight. And again, there's no fear. There's no condemnation. If you slipped, you tripped, you made a mistake, that's fine. Get up and let's go on with God. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you right now for the power and the anointing of God that's released already in this place Lord, we followed you. We've done what you said to do. And Lord, we're going to walk with you and nothing is going to stop us in the name of Jesus.